All right. Hopefully this works. <laughs> All right, so this year we're going to be looking at Romans. Before we jump into Romans, though, because we've got a whole year for Romans. We're gonna, uh, I'm just going to sort of talk a little bit. We will get to Romans today, but um, I just want to sort of share my heart with you about teaching and, and why it is that we're actually studying the book of Romans. So last year we looked at Ruth and at Daniel. Um, Ruth is the story of the life of Ruth. It's a, a biography of sorts. And Daniel is partially a book of prophecy, but a good of the book, amount of the book is also kind of his biography, his life. Um, these, are, these are narrative books. Um, narrative is important. It is found in both the Old and the New Testaments of the Bible. Um, historical narrative makes up over 40% of the Bible. So it allows us to look at history, to look at facts, to look at these events, and to see God's hand at work and his faithfulness to his people. This year, we're completely changing it up. We're going to be looking at Romans. Romans is an epistle, uh, a letter fancy word for letter, letter. Half of the New Testament is made up of, of these types of letters. There are 21 of them. Um, the, the content of, of the epistles includes clarifications of previous teachings, rebukes and corrections of false teachings, um, but also a, some of them are just a deeper dive into the teachings of Jesus. And so Romans is going to lead us to really think about some of the things we believe in and make us figure out why it is that we do believe them. Um, this is a great next step for us as women who want to become women of the word. It's going to make you think, and my hope is that you are stretched in new ways as we dig deep. Um, like I said, we're not quite starting in Romans, so... Diane, was it you that I gave Luke 2, 36 through 38? Now, I know what you're thinking. What does Anna have to do with Romans? Just bear with me. We're going to get there. But when, you, when you hear about Anna, what are some things that you know about her? She was a widow. She worshipped at the temple night and day at the time when she lived there. Yeah, night and day at the temple. So she did, she did live in the temple. Fasting and praying. Fasting and praying. She was older, um, I don't remember the number, 84 years as a, it, and there's debate whether it was 84 years as a widow or 84 years total. Grand scheme of things, doesn't matter, she was older. Um, and, and that's extremely old for that time period. Um, but Anna was a devoted believer. 
and her hope was in the coming Messiah, a savior for her, her people. And yet at the time that she was living, if we think back to when we were studying Daniel, Jerusalem and Israel were constantly at the center of conflict. At this point in time, they were war ravaged. They were battle weary. If you remember Antiochus Epiphanes, when we talked about him, he was uh, the, one of the Greek rulers and, and he hated the Jews. He desecrated the temple by sacrificing a pig to Zeus. And then while the Maccabean revolt restored the temple, we talked a little bit about that, that still led to the, to the death of a great number of Jews. Anna was alive when Rome took over Jerusalem. Anna was living more than 450 years after the last prophet heard a word from God. And yet here is Anna, faithful and devoted to the word. And uh, she is one of the 12 extraordinary women that John MacArthur wrote about in his book titled 12 Extraordinary Women. And when he talks about She's given the title prophetess, and when he talks about the word prophetess, he says the meaning is simply that of speaking forth or proclaiming publicly what has already been revealed in the written word of God. Prophecy is intended to produce a building up of a person in the truth, encouragement to obedience, and comfort in times of trouble. As a spiritual gift, prophecy is always for the benefit of the hearer, not the speaker. So Anna not only prayed and fasted, but she also knew the word backwards and forwards. She didn't know just the words on the page. I mean, at this point in time, she wouldn't have been able to read them anyway, but she knew what they meant. She had spent years and years of her life living in the temple. She would have heard the scripture being read. She would have heard any number of people teaching on it but she also was one that knew the word and would share it with others. So our theme for this year for our women's ministry is stand firm. You can see that on your cover, right? And so we chose to teach Romans so that we could have a basis for what we are standing firm in. You can't really stand firm if, if you don't know, if, if you don't have a foundation to stand on. So she, so Anna is our picture of standing firm. She is so grounded in the word that she believes immediately when she sees Jesus. She has no doubt that he will save the world and that God has fulfilled his promises through him. She knew what she believed in. She knew what she was waiting for. And she knew that it was different from what most of the Jews were waiting for or thought they were waiting for. So as we begin our study of Romans, I want us to picture ourselves as Anna, faithful and wise in her approach to scripture, dedicated in sharing it and standing firm in her beliefs. So we've seen Anna's heart, but now I wanna share a little bit about mine. I have a passion for discipleship. That word discipleship can have a variety of meanings. So let me clarify what I mean. I am passionate about helping other people learn how to be better disciples, better followers of Christ. Um, I have shared this before and probably will again, but um, 
I, I'm sure <laughs> that you've all heard about some of the questions that my kids ask, right? They ask some big questions. So a few weeks ago, I was talking to Andrew, he's my 15-year-old, um, and about why we believed certain things about the Bible, where I've learned them. I shared with him how I was a sophomore in college, and I realized that I believed things because my parents said so, or because my pastor said so, or because my Sunday school teacher said so. And it was at that point that I decided I wanted to believe things because the Bible said so, not because somebody else said so. So I spent a full year really focusing in on studying different aspects of my worldview and reading what the Bible said about them. I didn't have it all figured out. I still don't on some things. But I, I asked a whole lot of questions to my college pastor. Our teaching pastor at the time was a seminary professor, so that was a great, uh, just, he was very helpful. Um, in, in answering some of those questions. Like um, my favorite one was when I asked him if Methuselah, if you add up all the years, by the way, Methuselah and the flood happened in the same year. And so I asked him if Methuselah died in the flood or before the flood, he didn't know. But the look on his face was priceless when I asked the question. So um, what I learned though, through the whole thing was that I could read the Bible and I could understand the Bible without having to wait for somebody to preach a sermon on the topic. And so we still need sermons from pastors. We still need Bible teachers. Don't get me wrong, but you don't have to wait until that's covered to be able to figure out what you believe about it. And so, so um, I realized my sophomore year of college for the first time that the Bible was understandable by someone like me. Seminary and Bible college are great. They teach you more of how to interpret the Bible, how to teach it to other people. And to teach the Bible means you have spent a lot more time studying it than the average person. In college, I had no experience. I went to a public university. I had read much of the Bible. I had been in church all my life, so I knew the stories well. But I had no idea that I could read the Bible on my own and do anything more than just reading. And it was an amazing and eye-opening experience for me, and I wish that I hadn't waited until college to learn it. So now my heart, my passion is to show other people that they can do that without having to wait. Um, and so that's why we did Ruth and Daniel the way we did last year. That's why we're gonna do Romans the way we're doing it this year. Um, I have found, and I don't use the full-on inductive Bible study method, um, but I have found certain techniques from that method are really good about uh, helping me to, um, to be able to look at what the Bible says and figure it out for myself. So if you remember, there are three aspects of the inductive Bible study method. Observation, that is what does this passage say? I think, is that one of the things that I sent you to put in here somewhere? Let me see. No, 
page 49. Look at that. 49. There at the top. So observation. What does this passage say? Interpretation. What does this passage mean? And application. How does this passage apply to me? Or basically, what difference is this going to make in my life? Right, so this is just a guide. It's not a rigid step of, of uh, um, rigid set of steps for you to follow. You need to find what works for you. But by looking at it in 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 light of these things, what does it? What's what's the focus of the passage? What did the author mean by the passage? And what am I supposed to do with the passage? That's that's going to help you. Um, to process the Word of God. Now, I'm a visual person, so if you look on, so I guess it's page 50 if it's the back side of that page, right? Page 50, I've shown you an example of this is what my Bible would look like. If, if you look, I, I literally do that when I'm studying my Bible, right? Um, and by the way, these are in a three-ring binder so that you can move them around to wherever you need them. I have already shifted my copy around in my binder, and so it's not the same as yours, which is why I grabbed a fresh one. So <laughs> feel free to move them where they are going to work for you. But, um, and I don't even have, I, I have that sample keyword sheet I don't even have it in my binder. It's on the cover so that I can find it easily. Um, so, but the key, so, so marking up the passage, I'm a visual person, this is helpful to me. This won't be helpful to everybody. To some people, this is chaos and it's, it's disastrous to try. Don't do it. Like, that's fine. But there are still aspects of the observation that you can do. Um, you're, you're still going to, back on that front of that page again, has those five W's and an H questions. Those are going to be more beneficial to some of you than marking keywords will be. Asking the, the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. The key to studying the Bible is just to slow down and to dig deep. So last year we focused on the observation aspect of this method, and this year we're going to add the interpretation and application portions, not just from me teaching it, but from you studying it yourselves. We're going to talk about it, I promise. Um, so for some of you, some of these handouts are going to look familiar because they are similar to what we did before. Um, those of you that are that are new joining us this year, it's fine. We're going to go through it. Just don't be overwhelmed by the size of the handout. Most a, a big chunk of this handout is a double-spaced printout of the Book of Romans, just so that you have it. You can mark it up. You can move it around as you're working through things. Um, this starts, I assume, on page, oh, nope, my page number's wrong. 
59 of your handouts, not 57 like mine says. So that's the start of your um, double spaced thing. So you can write it in it, you can see it. It's got the wide margins so that you can make notes on it if you want to. Um, this is the one we have in your in your handouts is the English Standard Version. This is one of the versions that the church constitution has approved for, for teaching from. If it's not your cup of tea, don't read out of the English Standard Version. Pick a different one. That's fine. Um, there is nothing... I, I do encourage you to choose one that's a translation and not a paraphrase because a paraphrase is going to be very different. Um, but sometimes I like reading a passage in different translations. Sometimes the wording will make you, the, the use of a different word is going to make you think about the verse in a different way, make it stand out differently to you. So um, after, if you keep flipping, I know we're going way out of order with what your handouts are, but that's okay. That's why it's in a three ring binder, move it around how you want. You'll see there's a couple of things with a timeline, some maps, right? And then your, your keywords, but those, those are just references. So you can sort of see what, um, put in context where Paul is, where Rome is, um, when things are happening in the world. We'll, you know, there are times that we'll reference those, times that you'll just reference them on your own. Um, but yeah, now if we're going to come back to those last two pages. So just bear with me. If you go all the way back to the beginning, now we're back to the beginning. See, binder is helpful if you need one. We've still got a couple of them up here. <laughs> You'll see our, um, our schedule. And we've sort of already had to change the schedule, right? Because last week didn't happen. But that's okay. This is as final as we can make it. And so, yes, um, and those, uh, those breakdowns are already broken down on your observation and homework sheets, which are the next ones. These are your, your basically, I'm not asking you a bunch of questions like I did last year. We're asking just some more general questions. Um, it's similar to the way your homework was last year, but we're taking it to the next step. So you're going to be looking at your passage. If it's that those five W's and an H are the way for you to really slow down and dig deep. If it's keywords, do that. Lists are important. Questions that are asked are important. Anything that you observe from the text, that's what you're writing on on this front side. Um, the, and I put whatever page that was, was it 59? Where we had the questions for the, 
No, I don't even know. Four, I have no idea. Let me find it again. 49, because it's no longer in here. Page 49, where you had those, um, the, I listed out some, some questions for those five W's. Five W's and an H, right? Um, you will not have an answer for all of these questions. We're doing an epistle, not history, right? When is not going to be a, a, something that's super important in an epistle. Occasionally it will be, but the whole point is to look for the context. Um, that's, um, yeah, that's the big idea. I would, I would love, even if you're not marking the keywords, if you see words that are repeated, um, in that first passage, you're going to see the word faith over and over again. You're going to see the word called over and over again. Just jot those down as words. Um, but when you flip, oh, and on wherever that page went, the back side of it, oh, right here, the back, that back side was a sample of what I marked if you are, um, if you want to just see how it works and you want to try that, I encourage you to try it, but you don't have to be like married to it or anything. Find what works for you. But then if you flip your page over, this is where it's different. So this is the part where you're going to read that passage. You're going to find a verse that sticks in your mind. Might be because of the concept, might be because of the wording. Find a verse that just has stuck out to you. If it's two verses, that's fine. If it's half a verse, that's fine. There's not a like, it's not a set. It has to be this way, right? But but I want you to, to find that verse and not just write the number, but I want you to write out what the verse actually says. Then, once you have that verse, you're going to fill in that title, that column titled explanation, where I say, what does the author mean? What is the context of this passage? We're going to go over a sample. I promise it's much easier than, than you're thinking. You're like overwhelmed right now. I can see it on your faces, but I promise this is the part where if you want to use a study Bible, go for it. That's fine. That can help you with, with that context that can help you with what with looking at what the author means. The ESV study Bible is a really good one. The Christian standard Bible has a study Bible. That's very good. There are lots of good ones out there. Um, but it's not necessary. A lot of things you can find on your own. And we're going to look at that when we do our, our sample in a few minutes. Maybe it was the word that stood out to you. Make use of blue letter Bible. Find what that word means. Find where else it's used in scripture. Do that for your explanation part. Um, if you want to go even further, um, you, can, you can dig into a good commentary. 
Um, Warren Wiersbe is one that I always recommend, his B series. So the one for Romans is Be Right. Very down to earth, very practical. Um, a little more academic is the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary. Um, and then I recently discovered one by Timothy Keller. Um, well, the book of Romans is done by Timothy Keller. And I actually did double check with Matt yesterday. He, um, it's called Romans, I think the first one's Romans 1 through 7 for you. And the other one's Romans 8 through 16 for you, wherever it's divided up. Those ones are very good, very down to earth. I have not read David Jeremiah's commentary on Romans in particular, but his others are very good. So um, that would be another option if you want to dig deeper. But these aren't necessary. Not required for you to find some sort of, of commentary to dig that deep. The whole point is we can figure it out with this, right? Um, so then th this doesn't need to be some long elaborate thing. Um, I started out trying when I was doing this, trying to write a good flowing paragraph, failed miserably, started just writing sentences, did okay with that, that didn't like necessarily connect together. I have fallen into where a list is my best thing. So I just make a list, this, 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 and that's it. Um, then we get to interpretation, right? And that's, that's where, I mean, then we get to application, sorry, whew, application. This is where we are figuring out how this is going to, to, to change you. How are you supposed to respond to what you just read? Now, this is the part that's scary. I get that, but I have a handy dandy list of questions for you to ask yourself on page 47. And there are several different methods out there. This, um, this first little chunk spec is from a book called Replicate. I can't remember the author off the top of my head. Um, and then there's Space Pets, which is uh, Rick Warren Saddleback Church uses. Very similar concepts. You're just looking at that passage, and in our case, that verse that you pulled out to highlight, and you're asking yourself, is there a sin that I need to confess or a sin that I need to avoid? Is there a promise that I, that, that to be kept? Is there an example that I'm to follow? Am I being commanded to do something? Is there a knowledge of God that I need to reflect on? Uh, Space Pets has more options for those questions to ask. It's okay to be complete, to, to read a passage and just be, wow. And have that be your response. Your response can be, wow. Just Take time for, through the week to reflect on why it's wow. You know, make it. Um, th this, is, this is just a guide to get you 
a boost pointed in the right direction, don't feel constrained by these. Again, we're just asking for a few sentences. You don't need to write a book. Um, and this shouldn't take you a long time. Depending on the passage, I, my expectation would be this would take you 20 or 30 minutes. Right? That's manageable for everybody, right? 20 minutes, you can do that, right? Um, and I would encourage everybody to come. Even if you have a crazy week, Morgan's not going to ask you for answers or put you on the spot because we all have those weeks. Um, yep. But this is, this is awesome, Morgan. Yeah, good job. Yeah, and that's what I was, I was just going to say. If you get to a passage and you just struggle, leave it blank. That's okay. Still come because we're still going to talk about it and then you can even be like oh yeah I did see that I just didn't process that that's okay that's great um, but the key the key that I want I don't want you to give up trying the next week if you get discouraged on on one of the weeks that's fine just skip it and when you come back next week Move on to the next one and start again, start fresh. The, the, the goal is for you to go from just reading the word to having it impact your life. Some of you already do that and that's great. Um, but I want us to take, for everybody in this room, to take another step closer to God through his word this year. So You also mentioned the Blue Letter Bible app. Yeah. You can look up the definition of the Greek word and you don't even have to go to Bible school to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought you always had to go to Bible school. <laughs> yeah, that it it is something that while it seems like it's it can be overwhelming, you you don't need a Bible degree to be able to do this. Um that's the that's the key. Yeah, and there's, if you're on your computer, there's also just a website for it. So a few other things in your handouts. Um, again, my page numbers are different. So 51 through 56 are some just overarching questions. These are kind of some of those bigger themes for the whole, um, well, some of them are the whole thing. Some of them I tell you chapters 1, 2, 15, 16. Um, so some are just, but it it's encompasses more than just one section that we're looking at that particular week. So again, use these if you want to. Don't feel obligated to fill in everything on here. Um, but, but that's, that's what these are just to sort of help some with context and things like that. Um, and then, like we said, you get into your um, printout of the book, those uh, maps and the timeline. And then we get to the, the sample 
keywords, which this is, again, find what works for you. This was just one sample. I don't even necessarily use these specifically either. Um, I modify it to use what what I do and and I just mark them down mark down what I specifically choose if it's different from that so that I can actually do it and then we get to our um, at a glance chart this will be familiar to you we did this for both Ruth and Daniel um, this is just sort of thinking through those that overview so that when we get done you're gonna be able to pull this page and be like oh yeah I can tell you what Romans 7 talked about. It's right there. She's on page 125. Yeah, this is that very last page at the, the end of your handouts. So before we, um, before we dig in, still, um, the beginning of Warren Wiersbe's introduction to the book uh, of his book be right his commentary it says on on may 24th 1738 a discouraged missionary went very unwillingly to a religious meeting in london there a miracle took place about a quarter before nine he wrote in his journal i felt my heart strangely warmed i felt i did trust in christ christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins even mine and saved me from the law of sin and death that missionary was john wesley the message he heard that evening was the preface to martin luther's commentary on romans just a few months before john wesley had written in his journal i went to america to convert the indians but oh who shall convert me that evening in aldersgate street his question was answered and the result was the great Wesleyan revival that swept England and, and transformed the nation. Paul's epistle to the Romans is still transforming people's lives, just the way it transformed Martin Luther and John Wesley. The one scripture above all others that brought Luther out of mere religion into the joy of salvation by grace through faith was Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. The Protestant Reformation and the Wesleyan Revival were both the fruits of this wonderful letter written by Paul from Corinth about the year A.D. 56. The letter was carried to the Christians at Rome by one of the deaconesses of the church, Sister Phoebe. Imagine, you and I can read and study the same inspired letter that brought life and power to Martin Luther and John Wesley. And the same Holy Spirit who taught them can teach us. You and I can experience revival in our hearts, homes, and churches if the message of this letter grips us as it has gripped the people of faith in the centuries past. So now that we have a setup like that, let's open to Romans chapter 1. If you want to use your handouts, use your handouts. Um, if you want to use your Bible, that's fine too. So like, like I said, Romans is an epistle it's, or a letter. It starts the same manner as most letters of the time. And Heidi, did you have verses 1 through 7? It's uh, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. 
Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So who was the author of this book? Paul. So if you want to write Paul right there under author on your at-a-glance chart, that's the spot to write the word Paul. Um, Paul identifies himself. That was the custom of the time. But the Apostle Paul would not have been the only Paul of the time, so he identified himself further to make sure the readers knew not only who he was, but to convince them that he had the right or the authority to send this letter. So what are some things that Paul says about himself? He's an apostle. An apostle. He's set apart. Set apart. Somebody over Servant. here was saying Servant. something. Servant. Um, and he says, let me find it. Um, oh, no, he doesn't say it in that part. He says it somewhere else. So he was, um, he was a, a preacher of the gospel, right? But what are some other things that we know about Paul? This wouldn't be in, this is giving us the grand context. So this is using the whole Bible and not just verses one through seven. What are some things we know about he the Apostle a Paul? Scholarly Jew. A scholarly uh, Jew. Part of the Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. Part of the Sanhedrin. His name was Saul. He, his name was Saul. And when did his name get changed to Paul? On the road to Damascus. On the road to Damascus. And that is in Acts I wrote it down somewhere, but not on this part. So, yeah. Um, he was a persecutor of Christians, right? Yes. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. S at the stoning of Stephen. He wrote a large portion of our New Testament. Mm -hmm. A lot of the letters came from him. But he was instrumental in the spread of the gospel and the growth of the early church. And so... Um, D, if you'll reread our verse 7 there. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So who were the intended recipients of this letter? The, the Romans, the, the people who were believers in Rome. When we think about the church in Rome, um, we know that Rome was the capital city of the Roman Empire. It, you can find it there on your map. The population of just the city alone was over a million people. It had both elaborate buildings and great wealth, but also a large number of slaves and slums. Um, the belief is that the Roman church was started by Roman visitors to Jerusalem at Pentecost. So that would have been Acts chapter 2. Um, Paul had not yet made it to visit the Roman church, so he was writing a letter to strengthen and encourage the Roman believers. He wanted, as his primary purpose, and you can fill that in on your purpose if you want to, um, 
His primary purpose was to teach them the great truths of the gospel and to a church that had never received direct teaching from a missionary or, or apostle. There hadn't been somebody else who came and started the church. These were believers that experienced it and went back. And that was, um, that was, that was their, their basis. He was not correcting false teaching like some of his other epistles. The Roman church was doctrinally sound, but they just needed some additional uh, guidance in, the, in doctrine and in practice. And so that's what he's doing. So as for the date, um, if we look on our at a glance chart, date is not something that's written there in the passage. It's something that, that um, I had to, to look up somewhere else, which I did probably A.D. 56, 57, somewhere around there. This is during his third missionary journey. Uh, likely while he was in the city of Corinth is when he would have written this. Um, but we, and, and we will see some of those things impacting his writing as we, as we carry on through. But when we think about this, the book of Romans, we know we're we going to see that Paul has a gospel focus. He's writing to believers at an established church, and yet he's going to spend multiple chapters going over the basics of the gospel. He's going to be explaining the good news of Jesus to people who already believe. Um, second, he's trying to build unity within the church. There are both Jews and Gentile believers. Many of the questions that he answers are, are about disagreements between those two groups. Paul wrote the letter to bring unity and community to the Roman churches. And then we'll see that Paul is, later we will see that Paul is also seeking support for another journey. This time he's hoping to go to Spain. Um, and he wants to kind of use Rome as his home base of sorts to be able to travel to Spain. So that kind of fills us in so far on our at-a-glance chart. But now I want to sort of go through that, the rest of that passage, and I want to do a quick example of what I did for this first passage so that you can work on the next passage together. So I need to keep one of these. <laughs> and then we're just going to pass this around. Um, so this is, um, this, as we look at the, the last part of this passage real briefly, we're going to kind of look at what, what the expectation is for you so that, so that you understand and are ready to do this for the, the rest of chapter one verses, uh, 18 through 32, 32, 32. So as I was reading, um, I, when I did my finding my verse to highlight, I read the whole passage. We're just going to look at verses, um, verses 8 through 17, and I gave that to somebody over here, Kelly.
which is the greatest proclaim in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I must him. Always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Yeah, so if we start looking at that example that I handed you, um, now I used the whole passage, again, I used 1 through 17 when answering these five W's and an H. Um, and I used brackets for the things that I, I marked the win for this one because I wanted to set it in my mind being the first one. You don't have to do win every time. It's the same win, unless there's something there that is about, um, you know, you hear after this or, or later, you know, you can mark some of those things are, are good for the win question. Um, but we're just sort of going to skip that part because we've sort of talked about it already. And then I, I put these um, um, keywords down here. Um, how many times, so you're going to have to flip to your Bible part. How many times is the word gospel used in verses 1 through 17? I marked down three of them, but there probably was four because I had four at one point, but I couldn't find it to write down the verse. So I had verses 9, 15, and 16, but I think there was one somewhere. Yes, verse 1. So that would be one of those repeated words, right? That's one of those words you could write down. Um, some of these that I wrote down in here um, are because they are keywords throughout the book. So like righteousness isn't one that's repeated a bunch in this passage, but it's repeated a bunch throughout the book. So, um, but, but faith and gospel, God and Jesus are in there a lot. Um, the word called 
is in there a lot. So those are just some of those things that you would notice by reading is, oh, this word's in there several times. I should, I should take note of that. Um, the, the key is just repeated words or phrases, looking for contrasts. So like I put righteousness on here, but we're going to see throughout the book righteousness versus unrighteousness. Um, and again, even if you don't mark them in the passage, it will help you to mark them down on a list like this. Just because when you come back to thinking about theme, you're going to be like, oh, well, gospel was mentioned four times in this passage or faith was mentioned. I can't remember if it was three or four in here. Um, on my uh, on, on my handout, I marked there at the in the bottom corner, just word study ideas. This was just words that stood out to me, and I wrote on there the blueletterbible.org. Um, but words that stood out to me would be that would be interesting to look at would be apostle, not just how it was used in the Bible, but how it was used um, overall. Um, it's an interesting one. For for example, what we think of today is a very churchy word, but when this was written. The word apostle is one sent by authority with commission. Representatives of a king or an emperor were called apostles. So this wasn't just a Bible word when we're thinking about how it's going to be read by the early church. Was it almost like an ambassador? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, that's why those are there was just those were words that sort of stood out as I was reading that weren't necessarily keywords, but were ones that um, maybe those are things that I want to look at a little more detailed, right? Um, these were purely just notes for myself that I can later research if I want to, um, but not, not something that I would necessarily do every week but it also sort of can give me a key idea to get to that verse to highlight. If I'm sort of struggling with what verse I want to think about, maybe it's one that has that word in it. So I can just really think about why he would call himself, I think the ESV uses the word servant. Um, why Paul would call himself a servant and of Jesus. And maybe that's the thing I want to focus on is why that word was used. So that's, that's sort of why I jotted those down to the side. They aren't necessarily keywords, but they were just words that stood out. So there are a lot of options if you flip your page of verses to highlight. I picked one. Um, I chose verses 11 and 12. It says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, I wrote that out, and then you see my handy-dandy list, because paragraphs was just overwhelming to me. So if you're a paragraph writer, go for it. I have found a list works best for me. So I just made notes of things that I noticed about the context of the passage. So I noticed, or I knew from this, that Paul had not been to Rome. 
he had not visited these churches. I know overall that Paul loves the church both as a whole and he loves the individuals who are in the church. Um, I, I know by reading this that Paul knows that he has something to offer the church. He knew he could help the church. He explains that at the beginning of this passage, so not just in 11 and 12, but, but there as he's introducing himself, he, he explains his heart. Um, and then um, Paul knows that seeing the church and meeting with them, this is what he's saying here, is going to encourage him. Now, I could have used a commentary, I could have used study notes here, um, but not required. I didn't actually use a, a commentary or study notes, study Bible for, for this, to get this context and, and these things. Feel free, but again, not required. Um, you may look at this same passage and not have those things written as your explanation. That's okay. Um, these, as long as they are factual things, these are the truths that, that, um, that are conveyed in the scripture. Um, so then I look at how I should be impacted because of this passage. Now, this is partly based on what was happening in my life at the time. Um, I was visiting a friend's church uh, and, and just thinking about the longing to be with my church when I was at her church. And so that uh, then reading this made me really sort of focus in on that. Your current life situation is different than mine. Your application is going to be different and it can be different than every single person in this room. And that's the beauty of Bible that, right. We all each other with that is the whole point. Mm -hmm. um, so I started down that list of, um, and I put 47, but I think it's now 49, that list of application questions there that we had, oh, that I pulled out and moved somewhere else. The space pets, and the spec, 47. oh, it is 47, okay. So that list on page 47, um, I just started reading through those. And then I found, and um, um, I, I wrote it up here right next to the thing so that I could show you which one it was. Mine was an example to follow. Um, I saw that if Paul was one of our faith fathers, he was a pillar of the early church, but he needed encouragement from other believers. And if he needed encouragement from other believers, I need encouragement from other believers. I need the church. I need worship services. I need the people, even as an introvert. I missed greeting people that I knew because I was surrounded by, I knew one person besides my friend and it was my friend's mother. So, um, but I, 
I, I could have, uh, so, so what I wrote, I mean, you can read it, but if Paul needed encouragement from others, believers, so do I. I must allow others to build me up and should be intentional about surrounding myself with other believers, both in church worship services and outside of church. That doesn't mean that I should surround myself with believers and no one else. That's a different part of scripture that tells us that part, right? But what I needed from this verse was to remember that I need the body of Christ. I need, I need a church. I need a church that I love. That was my application. Yours could be different. Your verse could have been different. You could, I could have chosen verses 8 through 10 and thought about Paul's passion for prayer and how my own prayer life would stand up to Paul's. I could have chosen verses 14 and 15 about owing people the gospel, how I'm commanded to share the good news with people. Again, if I'm only stuck in my church bubble, then I'm not sharing the gospel with people right there, right? Um, I could have chosen verses 16 and 17 and looked at how not being, at, looked at not being ashamed of the gospel. In the eyes of the Roman Empire, Paul should have been ashamed of Jesus because he was the son of a lowly carpenter, was Jewish, and above all that was crucified which is the lowest of the low. All three of these things are enough to make a Roman citizen look down on something or someone, but Paul is proud of it. And so I could have used that application to ask myself, what is my attitude about the, the gospel? Right? So is, is everybody okay enough to give this a try this week? We're just trying it. We're going to work through it next week. It's a process. Okay? Any questions? If you have questions, let me know. Let Elizabeth know. Um, uh, Marta Greist has done this a number of times, so she is uh, able to, she helped me with the wording on this to make it so we, we all were on the same page. Um, so give it a try this week. You're gonna, so you're going to move to that second page there, which says, um, the second homework page, that's the verse, Romans 1, 18 through 32. So you're going to do that one this week. And some weeks are going to be harder than others, but just try. Let me know. Let your small group leader know. We just want you to take one more step. To, to be able to grow closer to Christ and, and deeper into the word. So then we're going to break into our small groups and I did not print out the lists like I was probably supposed to. So.